Monk Realty Show is the podcast at the intersection of real estate, technology, and future. This podcast is produced by Monk Tech Labs, which owns and operates SaaS products like the House Monk, which is used to manage residential portfolios, and the Office Monk, which is used to manage commercial portfolios. So, uh, Ajay, now we have realized that the metropolitan zip codes are attracting a lot of uh, tenants, but there is not enough uh, two-bedroom apartments and three-bedroom apartments uh, in the heart of the city. So what should construction companies or rental companies do to manage this supply-demand inequality? Ah, That's a very tough question because it's very difficult to change the configuration of an apartment once it's constructed. Um, The really correct answer is that cities need to allow a lot more housing to get created. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a very big problem in, let's say, cities like San Francisco, which is very notorious that the city of San Francisco does not allow enough housing to get created. Like the, the number of permissions that you need to take to create an apartment is very, very difficult because of which a lot of developers are not creating housing stock. Right? So really the best way to solve the supply demand issue is to just create more supply. Mm-hmm. And the way to create more supply is to allow real estate developers, landlords, like, you know, like real estate funds give them easy access to create housing stock. So by doing that, you kind of increase the housing supply that helps more supply come into the market and it kind of like restores some level of balance uh, into the rental market. A second thing that we've also observed over time is that cities which have great infrastructure normally manage to have their rents under control because it is a possibility for people who find the rental housing stock in a given zip code too expensive they can simply move to another zip code, another neighborhood essentially, uh, and live there to kind of like auto balance that rent. Now, the reason why infrastructure is very important is for people to commute to office, for people to commute to a place of recreation, to go meet their friends, to meet their family. They want to stay centrally because typically central parts of the cities have great infrastructure, public transportation, great road infrastructure, etc. And that's the reason why they want to stay in the heart of cities, right? Mm-hmm. So another way cities can combat this is just by focusing a lot more on infrastructure, like whether it can be like uh, metro and suburban railway uh, transportation infrastructure, it could be like just constructing better quality roads, it could be increasing the number of buses that are available and the routes these buses take. So if you invest a lot in public infrastructure, it becomes a very real possibility for people to stay, let's say maybe like 15 kilometers, 20 kilometers outside of their core places of work, but still they can commute into the places that they visit, like their offices and their friends, etc., um, within let's say a 20 to 30 minute kind of a time frame, which makes it a reasonable option. In many emerging economies, this is not the case, mm-hmm. um, because of which people are forced to take housing very close to their places of work, leading to increase in demand and increase in rent over there. Very true. So, uh, Ajay, what do you think about built to rent model? So, if you see uh, continents like Europe or USA, Uh, This is a very new trend where construction companies or real estate companies are investing in pure build-to-rent properties, right? Uh, Can this model be replicated in emerging economies and do you think that will work out? Um, We're all hoping for that. Um, So what build-to-rent really does is that it creates housing stock for the purpose of rent versus like a build-to-buy kind of a market uh, where you're creating housing stock for the purpose of selling. Uh, The reason why this is different is because the needs of the renters is very different from the needs of buyers. When people are buying apartments, they're really thinking 10 years, 20 years. They want to set up their home and their families there. When people are thinking that way, they want more space. They're probably planning to have kids there. They probably are planning to move their parents with them at some point. So a lot of these thoughts go into shaping the buying market. 
But when people are renting, they are not thinking ten years at a time. They are probably thinking maybe like two years at a time, one year at a time, three years at a time, etc. So for these customers, uh, for these renters, the needs are very different. They, they are more okay with like more compact apartments, even if it is. Um, although they they would prefer if it's closer to the city. Whereas when people are buying, they want larger apartments if it's a little further outside the city. Because the needs of housing is very different, um, you need to have a very clear rental strategy. We are seeing that in the UK, uh, as an example, they have a very good built-to-rent market that's emerging. A lot of housing stock uh, in London, all across the UK, is kind of getting constructed for this. Um, once this housing stock meets uh, hits the market, definitely the rental prices will start coming down. Mm. US has a really good market in this already, which is the multi-family market, as they call it, where like apartments are constructed. For the purpose of rent, in emerging economies, though we don't see this happen very often, because the rental yields are too low. Mm-hmm. Uh, yield is really just your annual rent divided by the value of the or price of the property. Uh, in most emerging economies, it's maybe like three percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, in places like Singapore, where there is a lot of control on the uh, on the real estate market, it's about two two and a half percent. In a city like Bangalore, it's about like four percent ish. Different city. I mean, Singapore, of course, is not a emerging economy, but like it's just the yields in different parts of the world vary. In those markets where the yields are too low, it doesn't justify doing build to rent. Got it. Because your cost of borrowing is still high, um, your cash flows really get hit. The best markets for build to rent are really those markets where the rental yield could be maybe five to six percent. Mm-hmm. In an ideal case, like seven to nine percent, but that doesn't really happen. In a lot of metro cities, at least the yields are already compressed by default. But unless the city Um, or let's say even the particular zip code can justify a rental yield of maybe like five to six percent. It's going to be very difficult. Um, so when anyone is creating that housing rental housing stock, they need to keep that in mind. What the yields are going to look like uh, in a fully compliant building. So a lot of small scale developers they achieve that yield by not being fully compliant. So mm-hmm. if the building can only have five floors, they'll construct a sixth floor artificially to um, make the yield look better. So, assuming you don't want to do that, and assume you want to be fully compliant with the laws of the land, uh, you'll have to pick and choose those projects where the yields can be five, six, seven percent, uh, and it's very difficult to do that in emerging economies. So, although I hope that this changes, the current economics are not really supporting that. Understood. So, now that the build-to-rent uh, yields are not great, this could be a demotivating factor for. Uh, construction companies or real estate developers on another angle do you think traditional rental houses which is already built for uh, renting can they retrofit to fit into a build to rent model and increase their profits there is a chance they can do that um a little difficult um but there is a chance so i'll tell you what a real estate owner should think about when they are doing retrofits first they have to start with the absolute basics which is is it zoned to do this mm-hmm. um or do i need to get compl- do i need to get like a compliance certificate from my local authorities to allow me to do this in the first place because you do need to get those permissions in most cities even if not all so you really have to start there am i allowed to do this in the first place assuming that part is taken care of you really need to start at the floor plan level itself um because that's really where you have the most scope to optimize now let's say that there is a three bedroom apartment um and let's say there's like three three bedroom apartments in a single floor uh, let's say in broadly a rental building if you start at a floor plan level you start thinking hey can i do a fourth bedroom mm-hmm. in the hall or the living the area room, yeah. can i convert that to a fourth bedroom and can i create a washroom for it mm-hmm. right so if you're able to achieve this what you really have is that you have four studio apartments 
all of whom can possibly share a common kitchen and maybe if the apartment has let's say a dining room you can maybe convert that to more of a common area or like a common living room for these four studio apartments if you manage to achieve that you can probably increase your yield by about like 30 to 40% percent mm -hmm. uh, in most cases uh, and that becomes really compelling because then in a market where let's say your yield was previously like 4% it's now probably going to be between 5.5 to 6% in a really good case. That makes a very strong case for you to do that. Um, a second point that you should also keep in mind when doing these retrofits is that a normal three bedroom apartment might have been focused on, let's say the buyer demographic, in which Correct. case you're not really going to be doing a lot of interiors yourself. You're not going to be doing furniture because people who want to buy, they want to do it themselves. A second point to think about is that, hey, am I ready to do that for my apartment? Because renters normally prefer to take an apartment which is fully furnished. Correct. So they don't have to invest into creating the furniture. And let's say whenever they move, they don't want to take all the furniture. Like they don't want to take a couch and a TV and a bed with them and they go. So that's a second area to possibly offer improvement where you do the full furniture and the fit outs. So it becomes a very easy no-brainer deal for like renters. They can just bring their suitcases and they can go. That's a second area that you can consider. Third option also to consider would be, do you want to add a layer of services mm -hmm. on top of all of this? Now, for example, can you provide Wi-Fi for your tenants who are staying in these studio apartments? Because you don't want four different people taking four different connections. Yes. Um, can you like kind of like maybe like centralize um, AC for all of uh, air conditioning for all of these units? So you can think about some of these like added on services, um, which becomes a win for the customer. So they don't have to take the headache of all of this. And invariably, they end up paying a premium for the choice that they get. These are all some points that uh, landlords can keep in mind when they are If you like the show, please don't forget to give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you like this video, please don't forget to subscribe and hit the bell icon.